Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. G'day, welcome back to Ausbiz. Great to have your company uh, live from our Brangaroo studios. You have tuned in to the call, 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to our expert panel. We do it all in one hour. Let's get stuck straight into it. Uh, to uh, today's guests and Michael Gable from Fairbond Equities is with us. Michael, good to see you, sir. Thank you. And uh, Raskovich from Rask Australia joins us up from Melbourne. Great to have you in the studio. It's good to be Robert here. Lake. It's fabulous to have you here. Uh, on a very geez. hot day. I know. <laughs> Look at the sweaty you've got. <laughs> The, uh, it's, it's the branding. branding. You've got to do a line of T-shirts for summer. <laughs> that will be the way to do it. All right. Uh, a lot happening uh, today um, in this first half hour. Going to have a look at Reese, uh, Premier Investments, Codan, People In, and Maine Pharma. Uh, stock of the day, Fortescue. Hit a record high yesterday after the iron ore sector reached its highest mark in 18 months. Fiona Hicks's performance as uh, CEO of Fortescue also ranked in the top 12% of buy sell signals performers for the past week. Um, and uh, Australia's mid year update shows a surging iron ore prices driving Australia's post pandemic budget repair as well and pushing shares of Fortescue higher. Uh, Will this momentum keep going is a big question. Uh, Michael Gable, um, mm. yes, the iron ore price has rebounded, but not back to the highs of a year, 18 months ago. Yeah. Fortescue, record high, extraordinary. Yeah, look, I mean, I've been positive Fortescue all year on this program. Yep. Um, you know, I've, I've had a you know, bullish view on commodities, bullish view on iron ore. Um, look, clearly, you know, in terms of the Chinese economy rebounding, that's you know, has been delayed. Um, yeah. That has been very disappointing. But, you know, over, over the course of um, the next couple of years, I mean, we've, as I said, quite, quite positive commodities and, and global growth. And, and in terms of Fortescue, it's one of those companies where yeah, at the start of the year, all the major analysts um, were very negative on it. Oh, yeah. $16 price targets. They have started to creep their targets up, um, not surprisingly. But, but as I've mentioned um, on Osby's many times, you know, once Fortescue gets through $23, you'd be looking at high 20s. Um, I'm quite surprised it's done it so quickly, to, yes. to be honest with you. Um, no, it's just pretty much done it. Just, just in, in past two few months. Weeks. Mm. They've gone from twenty one to twenty seven dollars. Yeah, and That's the analysts, of a high. yeah, and the analyst targets are still down at sixteen seventeen. So yeah, and and they're all still grumbling about the iron ore price. So they'll they'll have to start catching up here. They'll have to start uh, upgrading their targets even more. And so, would you be taking profits at these levels? So the way it's trading at the moment, from the charting point of view, it is very overbought in the short term. So right. you wouldn't be chasing it here. Um, yeah, if you're a trader, you'd be looking to, to even exit here. And um, look, I'm looking to, to pick more back up. 
uh, on a dip. But longer term, you know, charting profile is very constructive. Um, you know, I think we've got the tailwind of, uh, as I mentioned, the, the commodity okay. space, global growth. China will rebound next year. Yep. Um, so look, for me, I couldn't say buying it here. Um, it's doing all the right things as, okay. as we predicted, so but you'd want, to buy it on a, yeah, you'd want to buy it on a dip. Okay, so um, it's still positive long term. Yep. If you've had this run up, bank some profits, mm. um, but if it dips back to what? Oh, look, I mean, initially I was, you buy? I was thinking $24, if you asked me a few days ago, but it might not even get down that far. So um, we'll see how we go. I think it could easily shed a couple of bucks from here okay. um, right. during its consolidation and, um, yeah, and then just scoop, okay. scoop it back up. Owen, it is pretty remarkable and goes completely against what every analyst, apart from Michael, <laughs> um, has basically been saying all year. Mm. If you bring up a 10-year chart um, of Fortescue, what you'll see is one of the best performing companies in the entire country, Yeah, um, which is remarkable considering even 10 years ago, uh, it was quite an established business and got into production. Oh, almost went broke yeah. a few years ago. Twiggy, yeah. sort of his backside was right on the line, was it? It got yeah. so close. But oftentimes the best investments are the most uh, polarizing. Yeah. And so uh, with a business like this, what I would prefer to do, I'm not not as adept perhaps at charting and that type of thing, but um, more fundamentally driven. And I like to think of selling resources companies when the PE is low, not high, because right. that means that fundamentally the businesses are performing exceptionally well. Yeah. And uh, with Fortescue, it's one of the lowest cost iron ore producers in the world, even adjusting for lower quality ore. And uh, at the moment, I think maybe, you know, the, the top of your head, the price, 130 bucks a ton, you can dig it out of the ground for 19, it's yeah. a pretty good margin, and so yeah. um, I'd take that yeah. in my business anytime. Oh, anytime, I, <laughs> I think, and that's what makes it an extraordinary business, right? Yeah. And it does that one commodity exceptionally well. Heavily dependent on China. I think in this space, though, if I had to choose, I would choose BHP. Um, I think the complementation with the copper uh, shortfall that we'll likely see at the end of 2020s yep. uh, will be profound. And, and BHP's Olympic Dam assets and infrastructure will see it, uh, I think, surpass all the other iron, iron ore majors in the country in terms of its performance. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, would you um, would you get sell. out of Fort you'd sell Fortescue at these levels? Yeah. And and switch to BHP. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've I've got a fund manager uh, mate who says if you do nothing in your life. You buy BHP when it gets down to 40 and sell it when it gets back <laughs> to 50, uh, and then it'll drop back again and it just <laughs> trades in that range. And you look at, I didn't believe him, I said, You're kidding me. Mm. And looked at the chart, and he's not far off it. Yeah, so. well, they've also got the Janssen potash project coming online, yeah. which is, which is not contributing in any way, and it will be one of the biggest assets in the world. Yep. Okay. All right, good discussion there on Fortescue. Let's kick off uh, the stocks that you want us to take a look at. And Michael, Adrian wants a view on Reese, the big plumbing, bathroom, air conditioning uh, group, 600 locations across Australia, sort of feeds all the tradies, their, yeah. their suppliers. Yeah, and they've expanded into the US as well. It looks yep. like this business has... Um, uh, definitely surprised as well. Um, you know, I think over the past several months, you know, look, it's not a stock I follow, but I could see that the analysts have definitely been expecting 
softer results from this business. Clearly, you know, rate hikes impacting on um, on new renovations and construction. But you know, the recent update to the market was was a bit better than expected. I mean, you know, not huge numbers. We're talking sort of it looks like flat sales in the U.S. and um, quarterly sales in October were up about three percent, but still better than expected. And mm. Look, the share price has taken off as a result. We're talking sort of sub $18 levels uh, a couple of months ago, and now it's it's piercing 21. So, look, there's still an uptrend there, but similar to Fortescue, I think it's run pretty hard in the short term. So I couldn't be chasing it up here um, when it's likely to enter a bit of a profit-taking period. So I'm sort of on the, on the fence between either a hold or a sell. Um, Oh, look, probably, you could do yeah, ta- take probably, some profits. Yeah, um, take some take some profits. Profit and yeah. sort of what definition of taking profits is it? You sell a third or a half. Yeah, maybe you take a little bit off the table. But yeah. I think you know with what we've seen overnight, with pretty much confirmation that there you know there'll be some rate cuts coming next year. Yeah, you can start to feel if you were to hold it, I think you could start to feel a little bit more confident that. Mm. Yeah, we're not going to plunge into a deep recession next year. Yeah. Um, things may well hold up. And uh, even though this share price might come back over a few weeks while you get some profit taking, it, it'll probably resume the uptrend next year because it is go. a quality So business. have you talked yourself into a hold now? I think I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how I work. Yeah, just yeah, just no. talk well, it through. Sometimes and... you are on the edge with yeah. most decisions. Yeah. So, oh, Owen, what about you? Uh, I think with a 10-year view, it's... I'd say there's asymmetry here in that I think you could own a small piece of Reese. The thing that's put fund managers off for so long, and it's one of these things where the individual investor has an advantage, is that Reese is largely owned by the Wilson family. And um, until they made the acquisition to move into the US, it was pretty hard to get liquidity. Right. And so you ended up in the situation where you could only take a small stake. My understanding is the family isn't one of those families that spend a lot of time in the media and they spend more time in the business, which is great for long-term shareholders. Mm. Um, just by way of example, they've got 655 stores in Australia and 231 in the US. Wow. So if you think about the numbers on that and the opportunity set for them to, even if they partly replicated the success they had here in Australia, I know that's a big ambition, but the reality is they've only just rebranded to Reese US. And I think in 10 years time, if like it's all probabilistic, but if you had say a 30% probability that they got to half of the penetration they had here in 10 years, this business could be worth multiples of what it is today. That's obviously a risk uh, and you're banking on a family and there's a few businesses that we'll talk about today that have a family or a founder yep. at the helm. The wonderful thing about investing with families is that you don't need to know everything, you can just take it on their incentives that they're gonna do the right thing for long-term holders, yep. at least to the best of their knowledge. And I was really worried about this business pre-COVID because they'd just taken this huge acquisition in the US and we've heard stories before Mm. of companies that don't succeed in the US. But they managed to make it through COVID after making such a huge acquisition and they've come up the other end. Both Australia and US are growing, the rebranding is happening, an upgraded store network in the US. I think it's a good business. Mm. I think for a small part of a portfolio, it's a good one. Okay, so you're saying long-term buy? Yep. Okay. All right, let's go on to uh, the next up, talking about almost uh, uh, a founder-led business. Um, Lachlan wants a view on Premier Investments. Michael, the big retailing group, um, 
I have a tradition in my family that I buy matching pajamas for everybody every year, and they're Peter Alexander yeah. uh, pajamas. So I won't tell you the theme this year, but we've we've had Disney characters, we've had circus acts, the whole lot. Uh, Eighteen people in my family cost me a fortune, and I always grizzle about it. So I bought some premier investment shares <laughs> from a little super fund to try and get back some yeah, of it, yeah. uh, and have been quite happy. Uh, not only Peter Alexander, of course, um, Just Group, Portman's, Dotty, uh, JJ's as well, and their big one, Smiggle. Mm. If you're a grandparent or a parent that's been caught in a Smiggle store, you'll know what that's like. Yeah, um, pretty amazing business. Yeah, it is, and yeah, we, you know, they're very well regarded as, um, yeah. yeah, being one of the better run operations out there. Um, Headed by Solomon Lowe, of course. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. I mean, what what can you add? I mean, it. Um, I yeah, again, I think this is another business where, you know, in the past few months, the outlook, or even just in the past few days, is is really starting to change from one where people worried about a recession next year to. You know, my opinion, you know, no recession and, you know, we'll get some rate cuts and, um, you know, clearly retail sales aren't doing very well. I mean, when you take out immigration, we've, you know, we are going backwards, but, you know, they bring in those rate but cuts do, pretty quickly. And, but we do have 500,000 new customers. Don't yeah, that's, that, that's, that's, that's right. Yeah. Is that? Which so, is. yeah, look, I, I think the future is looking brighter next year compared to, especially what the market thought back in June, where a lot of these retail stocks bottomed out. Yep. You know, the question is whether it's sort of already factored into the share price. So again, you know, we've got a, a business that's recovering. It's one that I'd be happy to buy, but I'd be looking to buy it on a dip just based on on how much it's recovered. Again, um, sort of like Reese since um, since the end of October, it's really rebounded. Yeah. So we're talking $22 to 27. So, yeah, you know, with you know, with what I look at on the chart, I couldn't chase something that's that's you know that overextended. But yeah, I think these businesses are the ones to to look for um, right. in terms of you know what could outperform next year. Certainly a hold. Yeah, look, I think it's a, I think it's a hold. Buy and, and a yeah, buy on a dip um, because these sorts of cyclical companies should should do well next year yep. as we get a recovery. Uh, what do you reckon, Art? I think it's a great business. I think it's probably out of maybe it's out of JB and Premier for the best retailer in the country. Uh-huh. I would say based on the ability to implement a strategy with multiple brands, I'd say it's Premier. Uh, Solomon Lou, if he was to leave, you'd have to say that that's a serious red flag for anyone, but the, that's very unlikely. Um, one of the things you can look at with uh, retail businesses is inventory turns, how quick they turn the product over. Um, online is a big asset now for Premier, which was a, probably the number one uncertainty three or four years ago. Uh, and they've really adopted to that pretty well. I think they've got online presence in four different countries. Uh, wonderful stable of assets, not just the brands that you mentioned, but also holdings in other businesses. Yeah, um, got to mention Breville. Breville, yeah. Meyer, these types yeah, of businesses. Yeah. And so you end up with this kind of like Australia's Berkshire Hathaway of retail. Um, and you've got a wonderful operator at the top. And you get that with a 4% dividend yield, some special dividends with franking credits, a huge franking credit balance. So I think if you are in, in, interested in retail, you should have at least some small part of your portfolio in this business. Right. But one thing I will add here is that retail is very cyclical, obviously. And we have this policy of what we call best expression. I think I talked about it last time on Ausbiz. But before you make any investment, you've got to look at your portfolio and what you're doing with it from 
a best expression principle. So it pays about a 4% dividend yield. So you've got to weigh up, okay, I'm getting a 4% dividend. What's the capital component that will be layered on top of that? Now you can get 4% from an index fund. So you've got to weigh up, is it going to exceed an index fund's return? And um, at the end of the day, I think that's why it's going to be a small part of a diversified portfolio because it's just, it's going to be cyclical. Um, But I think very small part, I'd buy it. Okay. So if you wanted exposure to retail, either this or JV Hi-Fi would be your pick. Yep. Right. Yep. And this one's the one that I'd go with right now, given where we are in the cycle. And the, as you mentioned, Peter Alexander's the biggest asset for it. And I think with JB, you're going to get more cyclicality in 2024 as the economy slows down. Right. Okay. All right. Next stock, uh, Kodan. Ellie wants a view, Michael. Um, Used to be sort of almost um, solely um, gold metal detectors. um, Mm. And they were... um, the. Uh, chairman was telling me once I see a massive spike when the gold price goes up because villagers in Africa all put their savings in and buy a metal detector and go mm. out and try, try and find stuff. But they're a bit more diversified now into communications equipment for military, corporate, consumer markets as well. Yeah, look, it's it's not one that's you know, generally been on, on my radar. Um, as you mentioned, a bit more diversified now. So they've um, you know made some acquisitions in, in the UK. Um, looks like their margins are pretty good. Share price has had a good run, but you know, as an example of some of some of those um, sort of geo- geographical risks, um, you know, the, some of the revenues were impacted because of a coup in Sudan. So mm. yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's the type of company that um, you yeah. know I necessarily want to invest in. But look, it's. Um, you know, they seem to be doing a good job with what they've a good got. Year. It's got a nice trend to it. Yeah, look, it, it, to me, it looks like a hold, but it's just not the type that yep. um, I would go for. I think there's too many um, sort of unknowns for me to understand and, and sort of keep on top of in terms of the risk. Owen? Yeah, I'd probably, I don't necessarily invest in resa- uh, re- resources companies as a general principle, just because I don't know what I don't know. Right. And there's a lot that I don't know. So uh, I would just, generally with a business like this, you are, it's basically a derivative of gold. Yeah. Uh, even though it has. It's a pick and shovel. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and even though it, it sells, you know, mining metal detection equipment, uh, it also has the safety and enforcement side of the business, which is a bit of a different business when you throw it together. Um, and so I, I find I find it tough to put this in a portfolio. The business has kind of rebounded recently, as noted. Um, I remember looking at Kodan. It would have had to have been 2014, and at the time, the gold business was emerging and it was a really impressive business. Yeah. It's really well run. Uh, this is the first time I've looked at it since then. And I've got to admit, like, I just I just don't know how it would fit in a portfolio. So for right. me, I couldn't hold it. Um, so I'd probably sell it and find something else. Okay. All right. Uh, our fit stock, uh, Robert and Roy uh, want a view on uh, people in. Uh, Robert says, seems cheap. And the most recent results suggest the business is doing well. Is the negative market sentiment related to the level of employment? And Roy says, uh, services, the healthcare industry has a great dividend yield, but share chart has been falling all year. I'm starting to lose faith. Am I missing something? Um, as the name implies, people in is sort of a work, workforce solutions business uh, in Australia and New Zealand. It's contracting staff and rostering, timesheet management, all that sort of thing. 
Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard of this business before. I mean, at, at face value, it does look like they're all doing the right things, and maybe the only um, the only concern would be you know, clearly we've seen job ads um, uh, sort of falling away recently. But you know, this share price has been falling away since mm. um, the middle of two thousand and twenty-one, and we're talking you know, levels close to five dollars to close to a dollar. Look, I haven't been able to uncover what's been happening. I mean, it'd be bit of work to see what's been happening over the past couple of years to account for all of that. But yeah, look, I think you have to listen to the market as well. So um, you know, until we see a proper rebound and volume coming back into the stock, it just... No yeah, for you? No, just, just yep. based on the filter of the downtrend and, and what yep. the market's telling us. It is a horrible chart. And, and Owen, I suppose the, the viewers are saying, okay, you've been, you know, employers, have been desperate for staff, and really, all you all you've needed is a pulse to get a job uh, over the last two two or three years. Uh, so why go to contractors like this and say, "Hey, can you find me people?" when they just walk in off the street? Um, will that change if unemployment rises? Well, that's it. It may because they may become more valuable. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think that. Um, they also have a data and analytics business, which is, they've got the labour hire. They claim yeah. to be Australia's, uh, the ASX's largest listed uh, labour hire business. Uh, and there's a few uh, uh, bills that are currently going, not just in Australia, but elsewhere to help them, which could see them actually move further into the labour hire side of the business. But it's the data and analytics business, which is really interesting. They process payroll for around about 15,000 staff members, I believe. So making them one of the largest. Um, and so it's a it's a mix of tech and labour hire. Uh, right. Reminds me of like um, kind of Appen a few years ago, where people thought it was all tech, but it was mostly labour hire. Um, I would say that the business itself seems to be growing quite well. It's got six percent. I think it was six percent organic growth off the top of my head. Um, the price earnings ratio looks incredible. Uh, you know, five six times. Um, I think the question was effectively like, am I missing something? And sometimes the the most obvious thing is the answer oftentimes in investing. And I think in this case it is. It's the weak economy. People are wondering, well, as you said, can it make money in that style of environment like we're going to see next year? Um, and I think it can because I think the business uh, will become more valuable as we need certain skills as the economy evolves. But is it a type of business that you want to own 110 million market cap that could then multi-bag or go on and double or triple? It's probably not that unless that data analytics business starts to really fire. Yep. Last time I was on the call, uh, there was a wonderful question and company sent in, and it was about a business called Hit Group, or High Tech Group, uh, ASX ticker symbol HIT, and neither of myself uh, and the panelists had seen this business before. It does a very similar thing in terms of labor hire, but ah. for IT, ah. about the same size, very profitable, insider run, and a long-term growth runway, and they have a niche which is IT. Uh, so that industry in particular is just growing. Right. And so if I had the choice, I would much rather go for HIT, H-I-T, right. High Tech Group, um, just for those uh, simple rules alone, um, rather than this business. Yep. So that would okay. be my alternative. That's a really good point. Yeah, I wouldn't That's interesting you've got two similar businesses yeah. uh, separately, That's a, and a good comparison, good benchmark to make. Absolutely, so. never heard of either of them. Okay, yeah. all right. Uh, our uh, fit stock, Damien wants to view uh, Michael on Maine Farmer. Damien says it's been a dog for years, but the chart seems to be doing pretty well. 
Uh, is that just general improvement in the healthcare sector as a company actually moving forward with its strategy? It's a pharmaceutical uh, company making generic and commercialized brands. 90% of the revenue comes out of the US. Uh, what do you think of Maine Pharma? Yeah, it has been a, a terrible performer over the years. And I've noticed that um, the, the, the no major analyst covers it anymore. So it looks like right. the last was City about a year ago, they, they gave up. So right. you've got a situation where, yeah, the business used to be covered by all the analysts and um, it was on people's radar and now it's just, I forgot it even existed, to be honest, until mm-hmm. I saw it um, for today's show. So it, yeah, I don't think it's historically been a great margin business, um, obviously not, not run the best. Um, it looks like the recent bounce has to do with uh, you know, there was a, a market update in mid-October. Um, you know, it looked like their sales had tripled. Um, but, you know, again, you have to question, you know, is that sustainable? Um, I, I think it'd be too much of a punt to be jumping on that and, and hoping that, that things finally hit a low. Again, no, not much analyst coverage, not many, not many, um, it's not really on many investors' radar, so you might find it hard to to really get the share price going if no one's really looking at it either. Mm. So I'd avoid it. Okay. I'd agree, yeah. If it looks like a dog and it's been barking like <laughs> one, well, it probably is. Um, to be honest, it, it, it has been. It seems to have gotten worse fundamentally, like the financials have got worse over time. Um, and you'd have to think that maybe even being in the US is almost a strategic disadvantage where there's so much competition for these types of businesses. You've got a lot of regulatory oversight you're not in control ultimately of your product. And then when you think about like a lot of these pharmaceutical businesses love to talk about things like novel therapies. And as an investor, I, I just, I like to think about competitive advantage and why you would own something and getting an edge and investing insight. And if you think about the, the purpose of stage two and stage three clinical trials, we do them because no one knows the answer. Yeah. If we all knew the answer, we wouldn't need to do the trial. And so if you're trying to base this on a product that's in a pipeline or something like this, even if they're just going to manufacture it for someone else, effectively what you're betting on is that you have some insight that the clinical trial will or won't succeed. And so that's why it's almost impossible for me to justify investing directly into pharmaceutical companies. There are ETFs that give you exposure to the biotech industry, um, but it's just not investable in my opinion, not for an individual investor. All right. Uh, That's a really good comment on Maine Pharma. Let's... uh, Check the first five stocks, stock of the day. Fortescue, uh, record high, the iron ore producer. What would you be doing? Uh, Michael would take some profits um, and he's been bullish all year on Fortescue. He's been a bit of an outlier because everybody else has been been bagging it and that iron ore price and linked to China. Um, Michael would take some profits at these levels, but be prepared to come in again when the price weakens and dips down. Um, Owen would would sell Fortescue at these levels and switch into BHP if you want exposure to iron ore. But then also you've got the kicker of copper and potash and uh, its portfolio of resources. Uh, Reese is a hold from uh, from Michael, long-term buy from, um, from Owen. He likes uh, the fact that it's family founder led. Um, similar with, with Premier. Um, hold from from Michael at these levels, buy on a dip, uh, a, a buy from Owen saying it and JB, a high buy if, you, if you've got uh, what retail exposure in your portfolio, 
uh, they're his two picks. Uh, Kodan, a sell from, from Owen, a hold from Michael, people in, a no from both. Similar sort of business Owen mentioned in this area, but specializes in IT uh, staff contracting rather than uh, people in's focus on, on healthcare is another group of a similar size called high tech um, and main farmer a no from both uh, here at the call we've been tracking our own high conviction fantasy funders picked by the investment committee the december committee meeting is on the platform osbiz.com right now and uh, going into december we had quite a few new buyers and sells resmed car group the old car sales and john's ling were among those that were added to the portfolio uh, profits taken on Wes Farmers, RPM Global sold, and MA Financial out as well. And the uh, portfolio is up about 10%. Um, and keep sending your requests in to the call because any double buys here on the call uh, uh, go up to the investment committee to see if they should be put into the portfolio. Uh, in this half hour, uh, we're going to run the ruler over Kogan.com, Centre Group, Objective, Emerald Resources, and Advanced Breaking Technology. Okay, Owen, you were talking about Fortescue, uh, which is a company ca- that can split the market. Uh, Kogan is mm. a very similar one. Uh, you either love or hate the online retailer Kogan. Yeah. Do you love or hate? Ah. Uh... I think I like what they're trying to do. I right. think that's fair to say. They've done a good job at offering services in multiple verticals. So for those of you that don't know, Kogan sells products online. Um, third-party products mostly, but also some private label stuff. Uh, you can get a TV from there. It says Kogan, but it's typically the screen of something else. Um, I think you know it's, a, it's an Australian success story in that it's able to compete against things like Amazon, eBay, etc. cetera. Uh, they've got a pretty impressive a community that actually pay for uh, benefits just like Amazon Prime uh, where you pay a fixed fee or a monthly fee and you get some sort of discount, uh, postage, that sort of stuff. Um, I think the business has been through a massive, massive unwind of inventory, which is what's reflected in that chart just there. So obviously COVID hit and the retailers all kind of had to binge themselves on inventory when everyone was stuck at home and you oh, see that yeah. unwinding. Yeah, yeah, COVID hit and retailers were caught because they had to close their shops and their online wasn't very good. Kogan shot the lights out because it was already online, wasn't yeah, it? Exactly. In Temple of Webster, yeah. the two yeah. darlings, weren't they? And fast forward a few years and you're seeing what happens when your capital allocation goes right. awry. Um, so what does that mean, uh, capital allocation? Yeah, so basically what it means is you have a, if you're the, the chief of any business, you have choices over where you send your money that you generate. And in this case, they send a lot of it back into inventory, expecting that this was a new normal, like many businesses. Um, Whereas they could have, for example, paid out dividends, they could have just run out of stock, which is not a great user experience, but at least you hold on to the cash. And they could have done many other things. Um, And this is not necessarily criticism because they've got a business to run and it requires inventory. Uh, So the, the business is, for the most part, well run in that you have, you know, the co-founders basically running it day in, day out. Um, you're gonna, you're not gonna get things like dividends. You're not gonna get all the usual things that you would expect from a business that should be um, high margin. It's very low margin. Um, the business has fully got rid of all of that inventory is my understanding. So we're coming to the other side of it now and we're starting mm. to see an uptick in traffic, particularly around 
um, you know, Cyber Monday sales and those types of things. This will be, I think this Christmas in particular, will be one of the most important in Kogan's history because Amazon has really established itself in Australia. I think I just checked a minute ago, the Amazon Australia website has about 70 million monthly hits. Kogan, just on the main website, has about you know, 10 million or so. No. Um, eBay's in the 60 millions. Um, and they obviously have apps in different ways to connect, so it's not perfect. But um, I think with the shift towards budget conscious uh, consumption over the next two years, uh, even this year, I think that's why this Christmas is so important because people will be looking for, to Kogan. People will be looking to Amazon. I've yep. purchased most of my things on Amazon this year. Um, and so I think if we come through the next quarter with reasonably solid results, being debt free in better shape, I think that there actually is a case to make this a buy um, going out two or three years. So you want to see that uptick in traffic, which we kind of have seen. Yep. It's only been quarter over quarter, uh, which is a bit skewed. But if we see that consistently again in the next quarter, I think there's reason to buy it. But at the moment, I'd hold it. Okay. So I wouldn't be selling it because I don't. I think the worst. But is you wouldn't kind of be done. buying at these levels no, yet. Not yet. Okay. I'd be waiting for that fundamental turn. And because this quarter, for all retailers, is their biggest quarter. Isn't Absolutely. It? So and they've got to deliver. But you're saying, can they hold it for the next quarter as well? So around May next year. Oh, so sorry, Kosti. I mean Christmas quarter. So we'll get the early indications of that in January, is when they will report. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so this, the quarter we're in right now, is the one that you want to watch. Obviously, right. uh, we have seen some retailers in recent quarters expose weaknesses, and some have excelled. Right. So what we want to see is we want to see the business continuing momentum. Not only just more website traffic, more people signing up to the newsletter, uh, which is how they primarily sell, but yeah. we want to see sales getting back to what it was a year, two years ago. So hold at the moment. Hold at the moment. See how this quarter goes yeah. when it comes out. And you do January. give up some upside if you do wait. Yeah. But uh, turnaround seldom turns, so you want to make sure it's turning before you buy. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Michael, what do you think of Kogan? Um, yeah. And also, market is a bit iffy on some of the the governance issues in the past, hasn't the the issue yeah. of, of co-founders when they actually buy and sell their shares, and in particular sell their shares, and they've been criticised for... Yeah, that was the red flag I was going to yeah. mention in, in the past. It's, um, yeah, it hasn't been ideal. Can for, they ever get over it. that? What, once you... I'm interested in, people in a market view of this. Yeah, I, think, oh, right. I think a lot of people do. So it yeah. takes a, a year I mean, or two. People like us remember because, you know, this is all we We're do all, all day, yeah. but I think a lot of others just, yeah, they... They'll they'll get over it, right? You know, within a few years, it's like the, you know, the celebrity that that does the wrong thing and they disappear for a few years and then they pop back up and start yep. making movies again. So, okay. um, yeah, look, very very similar thoughts. I mean, yeah, they had all that inventory, which was, you know, great when we had supply chain issues, and not so great when um, that all loosened up and no one wanted to buy anything. But yeah, a recent update uh, mentioned that they've you know worked through that, um, but they've also increased their margins as well. Um, which is which is really good, and um, yeah, it looks like management's quite optimistic for the future. Um, for all the same reasons that that Owen mentioned, I think it'd be an opportunity. I'd I'd, I'd be happy to buy it here. Right. Um, I think you know, when I look at the way it's trading on the chart, it had that sort of pullback across sort of July to October, and the way it's trading now looks like it's it's sort of broken that that downwards move and it's it's already starting to see buying. So I can see the market mm. already starting to position 
here because it hasn't run as hard as you know, Premier Investments or, or JB Hi-Fi. So yep. um, I'd, I'd have it as a spec buy okay. now. Yeah. All right, spec buy on Kogan. Let's stick with retailers, but or the retailing sector, not retailers, but their landlords. Um, Harry wants a view, Michael, on Centre Group. Um, when Westfield, when the Lowy family got out of Westfield and then they broke it up, Centre Group is basically all the Australian Westfields um, without the overseas shopping malls. Um, what's your view on Centre? I'd. Um Look, I'd be happy to hold it here. I think, um, you know, if you ask me, well, uh, I was asked, I think, only a month ago when I was last on the show or a couple of months ago um, when we were talking about property. Um, you know, I was looking at, um, I think, well, I think even for the past six months, I was looking at office property as the contrarian opportunity. Yeah, in the REITs. Yeah, businesses like smashed. Charter Hall. Yep. And retail was one I just thought maybe it's a bit too early. I wasn't so confident um, in terms of what next year might hold. But I think things have changed again over the past few weeks with you know, CPI numbers and what that means for, for local um, interest rates. And again, what we've seen overnight with the Fed um, really sort of uh, ratcheting up the number of potential rate cuts for next year. And this yeah, leads on from what we've spoken about with Kogan and, and Premier Investments. So I think next year could be a, a nice improvement year. Um, the share price has run pretty hard. So again, I think it's a case of, you know, if you're into these retail REITs, buy it on a dip, um, or if you're ready in it, continue holding. Right. Um, because I think we've seen the lows and, and they should recover. Whether whether there's enough upside to make it worthwhile over something else like a charter hall, which seems to be really moving now. Um, it's hard to say, but I think at the very least it's a hold. Because these REITs have been absolutely decimated, haven't they? Yeah. Both commercial, retail, even the, the storage REITs. We had Abacus on, mm. uh, on the call, I think, last week. It was trading at a 50% discount. Now, it's, it's not in commercial yeah. and it's not in retail, but it's just been caught up yeah. in this whirlwind um, yeah. of smashing REITs uh, because everyone, yes, they're uh, you know, uh, interest rate sensitive, but the market's saying, well, they'll devalue their portfolios by that much and they haven't. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the only... Are you into REITs now? Is this a time um, to... Yeah, look, we, will they turn? we've been in... We were into Goodman Group. I think we got into yeah. Goodman Group last year, but that, we, that's but a we bit did, of an exception. Yeah, that's that's. that's but we did get out. Um, I think about a month ago. Um, we've st- we've got oh. some charter hall now. Okay. So look, I think Goodman Group. Why did you still, get out of Goodman? Oh, look. In terms of, you know, it had run. It had run that's pretty like hard. Heresy. Yeah, it had run pretty hard, <laughs> and I think as you get this, there's a potential where yeah, Goodman Group was the safe one that everyone flocked yep. to in the REITs, but as everyone starts to feel a little bit more confident and wants to mm. you know, maybe pick up some of the other ones, you could see, I could be wrong, but you could upside. see a bit of a rotation out of, okay, that's the safe and boring one. It's become more expensive than what it right. used to be. We've got all these bargains here, your charter halls and your, your center groups, and, and maybe right. the money flows into those. I could be wrong. Maybe they just all go up, right. um, but maybe these ones oh, go up a little bit faster theory. than in Goodman Group. Okay. All right. Uh, um, what do you think of center? Uh, good occupancy, good foot traffic. Um, they came out with an update a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, saying foot traffic's up. So that's great. Every Westfield that I've been to recently has been really busy, <laughs> um, which is great to see. Um, it's a bit of a love-hate relationship with their tenants, though. Like, say, Solomon Lou earlier on, anyone remembers back to the 
COVID oh, era. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of... Uh, didn't he fight them, yeah. threaten them, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, and it's a love-hate relationship because they kind of need the Westfield and Westfield needs them, but they do, uh, there's a bit of friction in between. I would, I would probably concur that maybe rotating into something like Charter Hall, the Long Whale Reit, is a better option um, than Centre Group. Right. And the reason is you do mention discounts, but one thing to be mindful of with discounts is that the way a lot of these property REITs are revalued is half yearly or yearly, and not all of those are independent valuations. So effectively what you have is you have two funds running side by side. You have the REIT, right. which is the public one that you can see the price of every day and what the market thinks it's worth. And then you have the unlisted fund. And the unlisted fund basically only needs to revalue when there's an independent or uh, company valuation. And so effectively what you have is delay mechanism. So if you're moving into property right now, you want to be in the listed space because it's already adjusted. Yep. Um, so a lot of financial advisors love to put unlisted property funds into client portfolios because it dampens the volatility because no one knows what the valuation is. Yeah. It's like the big super funds. So uh, when you're an individual investor, however, you want a bit more, I guess, margin of safety and you can get that with these types of REITs. I'd probably be a hold on Centre Group and maybe a very small buy on Charter Hall Long Whale, which is CLW. Okay. Yeah. Um, that would be my preferred exposure. It's kind of bouncing off the bottom, as we know. Um, and with rates uh, likely to come down sometime in the future, let's say, I think it's worth a small position. Okay. Because um, we had the Charter Hall retail REIT as stock of the day earlier in the week. I think it was Monday mm. or Tuesday. Um, and I made a stock, stock of the week because they'd actually sold two shopping centres. Mm. And it was interesting, they sold them at the June 2023 valuation. So it wasn't a devaluation at all. They sold them for book value. And mm. I, I put to the panel then, well, is that a sign that maybe the discounts have been overdone on these rates? Charter Hall has a pretty good reputation, to be honest. They, yeah. they do deal in a lot of really high quality property and what we've seen is uh, like a dichotomy between super high quality properties which we know here in yep. sydney cbd will always be rented out uh, versus say uh, other you know kind of fringe suburbs those types of things um, where you see a lot of those second tier reits operate um, obviously center groups very different and unique in australia it's probably it and bwp trust which owns many of the bunnings properties um, those two are probably in their own group but the rest of them um, the long whale rate in particular from Charter Hall is quite interesting because it has a mix of industries and uh, asset types, All right. okay. uh, whereas the retail business uh, has been pretty consistent up until this time. Yep. When you were talking about Charter mm. Hall, Michael, was it the retail rate or just uh, Charter Hall, C Charter C Hall? CHC, which was the a holding um, company. Yeah, yeah but, but look, I think yeah, they're all going to improve from here. So right. Okay. Yeah. But Charter Hall as a group, it's really well regarded. Definitely. Absolutely, yeah. All right, our next stock, uh, Roe wants a view, Michael, on Objective, uh, another founder-led technology company, uh, primarily uh, soft software business um, aimed at the public sector, government market. Yeah, so it looks like um, it's, they've had quite a number of years doing really well. It looks like their earnings have... Um, you know, earnings growth has really dropped off recently. We do have government agencies trying to cut back on costs and, um, you know, outsourcing uh, a lot of their needs. So, 
yeah, we've got a stock that's been you know, quite simply in a downtrend since the market peaked in 2021. Um, so for me, it's not, um, yeah, not one I'd, I'd want to hold or buy at this point in time. I'd like to see, see things settle down and um, get a bit more visibility as to if their earnings growth is going to pick up again. Okay. Owen, what do you think of objective? I was just looking at the one-year chart there. It's quite interesting. Um, when I run the numbers, there's an exercise I like to do maybe twice a year. I run the numbers on the best performing companies at any one time over 10 years in Australia. And I did that a few months ago and Objective Corp was number two or number three behind Prometicus. Um, what? Yeah. Was, really? Yeah, it was one of the best. And, wow. Uh, and that's over a very, very long time horizon. It's uh, really well managed. The blip in uh, revenue and net income could be explained by change of focus away from perpetual licensing completely towards ARR and SaaS-based right. uh, business, which is now compounding. I can't remember what Tony Wells said. I think it was like 30% CAGR, could be wrong, I remember five years. Yeah. So if you focus on that, it's kind of like RPM Global was in the core portfolio before. Yeah. I've been following RPM Global for a very long time um, under Richard Matthews there. They've transitioned all of it to technology and all of it towards yeah. SaaS. And what happens, much like Altium, much like all these businesses, in the first three or four or five years, it, it looks like the business is stagnating, but under the surface, it gets yep. multiples more valuable. Yep. And there aren't many businesses like that left in Australia. There are recurring revenues in, but just to explain to people, these software companies used to charge up front, mm. say for, a, uh, for 12 months, a contract, and now they go to clients and say, well, we won't charge you up front, will charge you monthly. So of course, revenue drops, but it's more consistent yeah. going through as you transition the upfront sugar head and spread it over 12 months. And the good thing about this business is it creates software that are used by councils, that are used by builders, that are used by architects. These Sounds like technology one, doesn't it? Well, it's I was going to say, I was trying to think about this. Flavor. It's kind of like if you to describe someone tall, skinny, blonde, pale skin, and you would just describe them, you could say that about Technology One, and you'd say exactly the same thing about Objective Corp, it's just smaller. Right. Um, and it, it, in essence, the fundamental variables that you would use to analyze a company look very similar. Right. But Objective Corp is earlier in that journey. Uh, Technology One is more ERP, uh, like enterprise resource planning, big tech, built for customers, also cloud-based, but Objective Corp is very particular in the, the types of solutions it offers. So is this a mini tech one? I think so, yeah. I think And will follow? This is a really, really okay. impressive business. The problem is you've always had to pay up for Objective Corp. Like I'm saying like it's like almost not quite wise tech, um, but it's wise tech-esque in its valuation. Yeah. And I think now with the weakness in the share price and the, the, the blip in the earnings, you might actually get a chance to own it. And if it continues this land and expand strategy, which is where you offer those subscriptions, knowing that the customer is never going to give up the software, 80, I think 80% of it is recurring so far. I think it's a good business. I think it's one of the highest quality. It's insider owned. Just a very small position because it's extremely volatile. Okay. Yep. So, so buy, very speculative buy. A nibble. Yeah, nibble. Okay. Yep. All right. Kind of the nibble. We haven't done a nibble for a while. <laughs> Everyone's been very... Uh, uh, black and white going up, buy, sell, whatever. But yeah, uh, have a nibble and, and watch it. See, see how it goes, learn more about it. Um, our next stock, Luke wants to view Michael on Emerald Resources, back into the resource stocks, uh, a gold explorer, uh, flagship development in Cambodia. Yeah, look, not one I've heard of, to be honest. Mm. Um, but 
look, it's in the right space. I'm, I'm still very bullish gold, um, right. as I have been in the past sort of few months or so. And especially with, again, what's happened overnight with interest rates, that's a positive for gold. So yeah, you hold gold, you, you don't get any income from it, you get nothing from it. So where rates are high, gold's not as attractive, Bitcoin's not as attractive, etc. Now that rates are coming back, um, yeah, gold's looking, yeah, there's, there's more Jesus to it, but, but, good, but I'm good very- year. When you compare that chart to a lot of the, the big boys in mm. the gold sector, it's nothing like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'd, I'd say it's a hold um, because I like gold and I like that trend, but otherwise, yeah, if you're looking at the big boys, whether it's a Northern Star or a- um, They haven't you know, gone like that though. No, they haven't, they haven't. So um, this one looks like it should have been the pick, to be honest, yeah. um, a few months ago. But, but yeah, look, I mean, whether you want to take on that extra risk being in Cambodia, um, or go for the big boys. I think um, I think all gold stocks are are a buy here. There was that you know that little breakout in gold last Monday that that didn't follow through, and I think it spooked a few people. But um, I think gold was up a couple of percent overnight, and right. and the price should continue higher throughout next year. Not too dissimilar to um, you know this time in 2018 when we had um, the US Fed confirm there'll be four interest rate cuts in 2019. Um, we saw gold take off. And I remember trading Newcrest, that went up about 50%, right. I think, just in um, 2019. So I think next year could be mm. could be good for most of these gold miners. Okay, so happy with a hold on this. Yep. Okay, Owen? I wouldn't own it, personally, because we don't have a lot of exposure to gold. Um, pro context is important. Uh, we primarily invest in ETFs, right? So um, right. we don't take a lot of direct stock risk. Um, in our core portfolios. That said, you're probably wondering, well, why does, it, why does the chart look like it goes from nothing, like flatline to probably yeah. one of the best performing companies of the last year? And the reason is they've moved into production. They, um, they effectively made an acquisition in 2017, which gave them access to these assets in Cambodia. Uh, and then now they've moved into production. And so while difference in scale is important. If you look at Pilbara Minerals a couple of years ago, you see what can truly happen when a company moves into production. Uh, And that's what this business has done. It's got the last numbers I saw is a seven year mine life producing between 25 and 30,000 ounces of gold a quarter. It's hitting that target. It's trying to expand its resource. It's made a uh, takeover offer. Um, So it's well run. It is actually very well run. you just got to, you just got that geographical risk, and um, one of the things to keep in mind when you look at any type of business that's just moved into production is you've got to look at what's the baseline for that business. And what I mean by baseline is baseline earnings. We've seen that dramatic uptick because it has moved into production. Yeah. But you've got to know where that falls or lands. And uh, now, so the company's challenge now is to increase the resource base to go beyond just what the investment bankers and that would have modelled in the beginning. Yeah. And say. We can extend the resource base, we can extend the mine life. And if you pay over that amount, that's fair value, um, you, you, you're gonna end up with an expensive asset. All right. It's pretty easy to value. To okay, pay. so they've, they've shown they can, they can build a mine, now they're earning revenue, and the next step is, can they keep expanding? Just like Northern Star many years yeah. ago. Okay. So I'd have it as a hold. Okay. Uh, and our final stock, this is why I love the call. We're going from uh, a gold explorer slash producer uh, to a group that manufactures car brakes. Uh, Greg wants a view on, on advanced braking technology, uh, manufacturer development research, 
of the fail-safe wet-sealed braking system and the Terradura dry-sealed braking system. Yeah, sure. So it's a very small company, very, very small. Everyone should know that if you just do a quick look up at the chart and the market cap. Uh, so I remember seeing this company present. It would have been... Very illiquid too. <laughs> yeah, it would have been five to 10 years ago when I first saw yeah. this company present. And if you look at the chart going back that long, you'll see that it's just come down like a, a wonderful slope uh, on the on the snow fields. And basically what's happened is uh, the business has struggled to prove its tech and get into profitability, but it actually okay. has reached profitability recently. Mm. And um, just for people's benefit, what does it actually do? Well, it creates brakes like you'd see on a Hilux, a yep. four-wheel drive. Uh, the difference is normally when you look at a, a, a four-wheel drive or a, any type of car, you can see the disc brakes yep. and you can see the pads. You can see normally they're a different color. With this business, they are all sealed in to avoid the particles coming out of the brake pads. Oh. And the reason is that that those emissions they believe can contribute, I think, is upwards of twenty percent of the emissions of the vehicle uh, through yeah. those particles. Uh, so what they're trying to do is capture that, and they've got another system which is if you're on a mine site, that's the primary target for their business. If you're on a mine site and the the car starts to roll, it's an emergency braking system. Uh, so effectively, they're trying to own that space. They've done a good job of it. I remember seeing it years ago and thinking, this is actually quite interesting. Yeah. It's just really small. So I, I can't own it because it is liquid. It's so yeah. small. But if you're a nano cap investor and you want to go out there and you're looking to hone your craft of research, I think it's a good business to okay. start with. Michael? Um, yeah, look, all I would add is it's a, um, it's our lobster pot of the day. It, uh, right. you know, I think it only traded $1,000 um, okay. between... Yeah, market open and so when I came into the studio. So when you get in, it's, it's just really too hard. hard to yeah, get just just yeah. too hard. So okay. for that, it you know, just doesn't job. doesn't go any further, unfortunately. Okay. And again, as we always say, you've got to bear that in mind when investing mm. in the market. Otherwise, there's no point. No, there absolutely. is a, there's another company that you should look at if you're looking at this, which is called Laserbond LBL. It's a ticker symbol run by the Hooper family here in Sydney. They are an industrial business that works in. Um, bearings and oh, right. uh, you know repairs of uh, mining equipment. Laser bond, LBL. Okay, perfect. All right, let's recap the final five stocks. Uh, Kogan, SpecBuy uh, from Michael, a hold from Owen, Centre Group, a hold from both. Um, Owen would, would prefer the Charter Hall uh, whale. Uh, objective nibble from Owen, no from Michael, Emerald a hold from both, advanced braking a no from both because it's just too small. Um, but Owen has thrown up Laser Bond as maybe an alternative for it. Michael Gable from Fairmont Securities, uh, great to see you, mate. Thank, Thank you very you. much for joining us. And Owen Raskovich from the RAS Report, good to see you, mate. Thanks, Jens. Uh, Merry Christmas to both of you. Merry Christmas. Uh, now, if you've got any stocks that you'd like us to cover for me to put to our expert panel, uh, send them to osbiz.co slash callpicks or tweet us on X uh, using the at TV handle. Stick around, the Pulse is next.